Good evening and welcome once again to another episode of the Friday Night Parkdale Special. I'm your host Joyrider coming to you live from the Dollhouse in downtown Toronto with my feline co-hosts Chatty G, Silent J, and Floofmaster Toby. And this is episode 113. Last week we left off in 1981 after Reagan was inaugurated. He immediately got to work as a hardliner, stating in April of 1982 that Americans were henceforth banned from travel to Cuba. In May of 1982, the Israeli ambassador to Britain was attacked by members of the Abu Nidal organization, which was a Palestinian militant group, and three days later, Israel invaded Lebanon. We're going to start tonight with a song by Midnight Oil out of Australia, which came out in 1982, called U.S. Forces.
Up next, we have a bit of CanCon for you. This is actually from what has been said to be the first synth-pop band out of Canada. They formed in Montreal in 1981, and this was from, I believe, their second album. This is Rational Youth's Dancing on the Berlin Wall.
Austria that Johann Hartzell was born into was not part of Germany. It had been part of Germany prior to the end of World War II, and that had to have some impact on his experience of the region, particularly given that his mother tongue would have been German. Although this next track was released in 1981, it gets rolled over into 1982, in my opinion, because not only was it released at the end of 1981, it was also in 1982 when it really found its fame. Next, from Falco, this is Der Kommissar. Ja, Herr Kommissar. Ja, ja, 
While our next band is actually out of London, England, they found an especial success here in Canada, oddly enough. From 1982's Shuttered Room, this is The Fix, Stand or Fall.
Honestly, the fix were on the radio so much as a kid that I think I thought they were from Toronto. Up next, we have one from Oingo Boingo, and Oingo Boingo is out of Southern California, and if you're not familiar with them, uh, Danny Elfman was one of the founding members, and he has been responsible for a number of soundtracks over the years, including Nightmare Before Christmas and the Simpsons theme song. And he said that when they reformed, because initially they were the mystic knights of Oingo Boingo, when they reformed, they took a lot of inspiration from bands like The Specials, Madness, XTC, Devo, and Funboy 3, as well as Punk. From Oingo Boingo's 1982 album, this is Nothing to Fear But Fear Itself. Yeah. 
Our next artist up formed in Amsterdam in early 1982. They had some live performances at the very well-known venue Octopus in Amsterdam, and this launched them into a career which was truncated by the betrayal of one of the members who took the band name and went off to do something else with it. They reformed later, and their career continued until the end of 1988. But this, from their first album, which came out in 1982, this is Doxa Sinistra, and the track is called Soviet Invasion. next a uh, band that needs very little introduction from 1983's war this is u2's song seconds to say goodbye, say goodbye. 
1983, Reagan announced his support of the Nicaraguan Contras, which were US-backed groups of rebels. The Contras were part of the doctrine that he published in 1982, which stated clear military and financial support to any group that opposed Soviet-supported communist governments. The support would end in Congress in 1985, but it would continue off the books until the fall of the Soviet Union. Up next, from Men at Work, who formed in 1978 in Melbourne, from their 1983 album Cargo, this is Men at Work's It's a Mistake.
It's worth noting that this evening we'll only really be able to go from 1982 through 1985, and that isn't because there was better music during the 80s necessarily, it's just that there were more recordings being made, so the archive of the time is substantially larger, and that includes music that was coming out of the Eastern Bloc during that period. I found a fantastic compilation called Red Waves, and it covers uh, 1982, 1987, and it's all avant-punk and quote-unquote synth-pop rarities. This next one up is from that compilation, and it is by Namenlos, which translates to Nameless. And a number of the members were actually arrested within months of the band being formed. Um, apparently being in a punk band was illegal, and a number of them went to prison. Actually, reading uh, a German Wikipedia article about them, it states that they were part of, arrested as part of a targeted dismantling action by the Ministry for State Security. Uh, they were uh, in Berlin, of course, and this <laughs> was clearly a problem. They did end up getting back together after they got out of prison, uh, although some of the members found their time in incarceration incredibly hard to recover from and ended up leaving music entirely. However, from those early days, while they were all still together, this is Namenlos and the track is Links Zwau Drei Vier. You can always rely on punk to be concise. Up next we have one from Depeche Mode, and while I haven't found a way to really get away with doing a show entirely on Andy Fletcher, I'm glad that I have a reason to play something in the weeks following his passing on May 26th. From Depeche Mode's 1983 album Construction Time Again, this is Two Minute Warning.
words, no sympathy. You're good enough to Also in 1983, Reagan was, would assert his dislike of the doctrine mutually assured destruction, calling it a suicide pact, which, I mean, to be fair, he's not wrong, but in its place, he implemented the Strategic Defense Initiative, known colloquially as the Star Wars program, one part of which would see 
essentially satellites with lasers and missiles and projectiles made of tungsten in space above the Earth. There was a very realistic fear that this might reignite the arms race, but Reagan either didn't care or believed that the Soviets couldn't possibly keep up. Next, from a band called Zoo Park, which was actually one of the acts that really fueled the beginning of the Russian rock scene in 1981 when they formed, Zoo Park was led by Mike Nomenenko, and he had a lot of blues influences, including also uh, author Bob Dylan. His voice wasn't great, so he tended to read the lyrics in much the same way as Leonard Cohen did. He frequently would interpret Western songs, and because there weren't a ton of copyright laws in the USSR, it didn't really make a difference. His writing was very satirical, very first person, although he was known to say that uh, the first person might not necessarily be him. His health was not great, and it began to decline rapidly in his mid-30s, especially after a hand injury. He began drinking heavily, and his wife left him, and he ended up dying of a cerebral hemorrhage following an accident in his apartment. Zoo Park formed in Leningrad, as I said, in 1981, but this is from 1983, and this from Zoo Park is called Suburban Blues. Я сужу в сортире и считаю Rolling Stone. Денежка на кухню разливает самогон. Вера спит на чердаке, хотя орет магнитофон. Ее давно пора будить, но это будет новый тон. То, что за второй день, нужно спать, но спать лень. Хочется курить, но не осталось папирос. Я даю спать, наверное, я трус Денег нет, зато я из пригородных Какая-то мадам звонит на третий раз От нее меня дошли, дошли уже не первый час Я говорю, ненавижу, не люблю, не хочу Я говорю, меня здесь нет, я давно ушел к врачу Разбиваю телефон и тупить самогон Хочется курить, но не осталось папирос Я боюсь пить, наверное, я трус Я боюсь пить, я боюсь... 
Next, we have another band that formed in the very early 80s in Leningrad. And these guys, Kino, were known as the greatest rock band in the history of Russian music. I don't know the scene well enough to be able to say whether or not that's a fair assessment. However, this next song is a lot of fun. It is called Anarchy and The lyrics essentially translate to Anarchy is my mother. From 1983, from the band Kino, this is Anarchy. This next song wouldn't be released until 1984. It was written in response to the Israeli invasion of Lebanon in 1982. We've listened to this one before on the show, but it's one of my favorites, so you're just going to have to listen to it again. This is The Human League's The Lebanon.
That the arms race might heat up again seemed plausible when Yuri Andropov, who was the general secretary for the USSR and former KGB head, would announce near the end of 1983 that there was an increase in the number of missiles pointed at the US. Andropov would die, though, in early 1984 and was replaced by Konstantin Chanarko. Up next, this is Alpha Bill's Forever young. Let's dance in sky, let's dance for a while. Heaven can wait, we're only watching the skies. Hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. Are you gonna drop the bomb or not? Let us die young or let us live forever We don't have the power but we never say never Sitting in a sandpit, life is a short trip The music's for the sad man Can you imagine when this race is won? Turn our golden faces 
listen to the sun Praising our leaders We're getting in tune The music's played by the The madman Next, we have one from Frankie Goes to Hollywood, whose first single was actually banned on the BBC, but this one didn't end up facing that kind of a fate. From their second album, this is Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Two Tribes. The air attack warning sounds like this is the song. Take cover. 
Our next song up also came out in 1984, and the title was pretty direct. The song is called Two Minutes to Midnight, and it refers to the atomic clock, which was a countdown to global catastrophe. And if that wasn't clear enough, the the cover for the single shows a mushroom cloud and Eddie with uh, Kalashnikov, maybe? And the flags for USSR, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Britain, I think that's Greece, the US, Cuba, and Israel. Yeah, it's pretty to the point, isn't it? From Iron Maiden, this is Two Minutes to Midnight.
a quick correction. The flag that I thought was Greece is either Argentina or Nicaragua. Both flags are horizontal blue-white blue stripes and enough of it is cut off that I can't quite see the emblem that might be in the middle. Either way, uh, the U.S. was involved in meddling with both countries' democracies during that period of time. And it should also be noted that when this song was released, it was actually only the second time which the atomic clock had gotten so close to midnight. The previous time had been, I believe, 1954 or 1953, and 1984 was uh, the only other time that it was at two or three minutes to midnight. Up next, we have another track from a band that formed in London, England. While the album The Works, which came out in 1984, wasn't really their best album in terms of a cohesive sound, it contained some of their biggest hits. In addition to I Want to Break Free, it also had Radio Gaga and this next track. This is Queen's Hammer to Fall.
Up next, we have one from Nick Kershaw, whose biggest track was actually featured on the Pretty in Pink soundtrack. Um, that song was Wouldn't It Be Good. This one was less well known, but it was directly about the Cold War, and it ended up having an entire remix pack released, I believe, in 1998. This, and oh, by the way, if you end up liking this track, the acoustic version is really nice, but I wanted to play the original, so that's what we're going to listen to next. From 1984, this is Nick Kershaw's I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. wasn't able to find out much about this band or the meaning of this next song. 
All I know is that it was featured on that Red Waves compilation that I mentioned earlier from 1984. This is S.S. Till's Effect. This next song has a story that's rooted in a couple of different events. First, an incident that happened in 1973 where some kids played a prank by launching a hundred balloons with traffic flares attached to them. The flares gave off red flames which caused the mylar of the balloons to reflect red and people thought it was a UFO. The second incident was from 1982, a concert of the Stones in West Berlin, and the guitarist happened to be present and saw that balloons were being released, and he thought that they looked like spacecraft as well, and wondered what might happen if they floated over the Berlin Wall to the Soviet side. The original version of the song in German tells the story of these balloons being mistaken for UFOs and planes being sent out to 
shoot down the balloons. And the interesting thing here is that Luftballoon has a different meaning than red balloon. Luftballoon is meant to be more like a child's balloon, a helium balloon rather than a weather balloon. And when the song got translated from German into English in 1984, they added the word red to not only keep the cadence of the song the same, but to indicate the difference between a child's balloon and a weather balloon. From Nena, this is 99 Luftballoons. Das so was von sowas kann. 
feinen Platz für Sieger, Kriegsminister gibt's nicht mehr. Und auch keine Düsenflieger, heute zähl ich meine Runden, seh die Welt in Trümmern liegen, hab nen Luftballon gefunden, denk an dich und lass ihn fliegen. Now, all the while, things were still going sideways in Nicaragua with the Contras being active, and this was coming to the attention of more and more people worldwide, including Canadian artist Bruce Coburn. I remember when this song came out, my mom was a big fan. She had the album on cassette, and she got really into Nicaraguan politics. From Bruce Coburn's Stealing Fire, this is If I Had a Rocket Launcher. Don't believe in guarded borders 
we were just talking in chat about what a groundbreaking song this was in some ways, in that people didn't swear in music very much, and that that song got a lot of play on much music, and it got play uncensored, made a real impression, especially uh, on me. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, he swore. This must be a really serious issue. And honestly, I think I took it more seriously because he did swear. He's ready to blow up somebody. This is a big issue, clearly. But going back to the Soviet Union, Chernenko's reign wasn't very long. He was older and in poor health and died in early 1985. The man who took his place was actually the person who would lead the USSR for the remainder of its existence, Mikhail Gorbachev. Mikhail Gorbachev was actually a much younger man than his predecessors, though I gotta be honest, as a kid he looked old to me. He was mostly bald and he had thick square glasses. He was a much more moderate leader than Chernenko. He attempted to stabilize the Soviet economy by bringing in some aspects of private ownership. This did not make him popular with some of the more authoritarian elements of the establishment, and those structures led to the failure, if not sabotage, of his best attempts. Honestly, Gorby in some ways was, or in many ways, was the saner of the two leaders between the USSR and the States. Not only would he cease Soviet missile deployments in Europe in 1985, he would also agree to arms reductions talks with Reagan that year and sign on to a 15-year plan to eliminate all nuclear weapons in early 1986. It's possible that the weak Soviet economy played a role in this, but based on what I know of the man, I believe he would have been looking to establish detente, if not peace, even if money and resources hadn't been a factor. Especially when you compare what was going on with Reagan during those same years. Reagan stated in early 1985 that he planned to spend $180 billion on arms by 1987, and between the Star Wars program and the Contras, it seemed like an easy target to reach, especially when Reagan tripled the budget for spending on the Star Wars program in early 1985 as well. In addition to that, he would place sanctions on Nicaragua during this time, and then there was the Iran-Contra affair, which was essentially an illegal arms deal that was done off the books and would come out later. And there was also a refusal to sanction the apartheid state of South Africa in spite of popular opinion. And when I say popular opinion, I don't just mean some people here and there. It was to a point where during that period there was a resort called Sun City and musicians globally got together and did a song much like they would with Live Aid and some of the more cringy things like Do They Know It's Christmas? I will never play you that song because it is terrible. However, Artists United Against Apartheid was an incredible combination of artists, and they basically stood up and did this single. They did a full EP, if I remember right, but this single in particular got a lot of airplay on TV and the radio, and it was a staunch refusal to ever play the South African 
resort, Sun City, until apartheid was over. This from Artists United Against Apartheid from 1985 is Sun City.
The list of artists who actually participated in that is just mind-blowing. In addition to Miles Davis, it was Bruce Springsteen, DJ Cool Herc, Grandmaster Melly Mel, Fat Boys, Reuben Blades, Bob Dylan, Herbie Hancock, Ringo Starr and his son, Lou Reed, Run DMC, Peter Gabriel, Bobby Womack, Africa Bombata, Curtis Blow, Jackson Brown, and Daryl Hannah, Bono, George Clinton, Keith Richards, Ronnie Wood, Bonnie Raitt, Daryl Hall, and John Oates, Jimmy Cliff, Peter Garrett, Gil Scott Heron, Nana Hendrix, Pete Townsend, Pat Benatar, Stiv Baters, and Joey Ramone. Hot damn. Up next, from Killing Joke, this is their song, 80s. Push. 
thankfully, in spite of Reagan's refusal to sanction South Africa, the Senate overruled him and sanctions were applied shush, in 1986. But we're going to save 1986 till next week. As I said, our last three songs for the night are going to keep us in 1985. And the first of our last three comes from the album titled Dream of Blue Turtles. This is Sting's Russians.
Our second last track for the night comes to us from a band that formed in London, England in 1974 under the name Tiger Lily. They changed their name in 1979, and interestingly, the song that was their biggest hit is probably not the one that they're most known for now. The track that we're going to listen to is probably the one that has had the most staying power of their career. From 1985, this is Ultravox and their song, Dancing with Tears in My Eyes.
Our last song for the night comes from a band that again formed in 1981 in England, but they are actually currently touring and I would love to see them. And as a matter of fact, I had the opportunity to grab a ticket or a pair of tickets from a friend, but the show is in New York City or New York State, and I don't think I can get there on short notice very easily. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to miss that. But they put out an album in 1985, which I believe was their second, yes, their second album called Songs from the Big Chair, and this was the one that really got big, 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 big. And from that album, this is Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World.
And that's our show for tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you share some of your week with me. If you'd like to support the show, go to the FNPS.com. All the social media links are at the top right, including my coffee link and the show's Patreon link. Patrons get access to my scratch pad as well as early notice of bonus shows and merch. Merch is good. And eventually, Brown Bag Wednesdays. It's coming. I swear to God waiting on parts now. Whether short-term or long-term support, your coins help me pay for hosting, streaming, and new tunes to keep the show both on the air and fresh. And sidebar, next Friday is a Juneteenth supporting Bandcamp Fridays. Make your list now. Proceeds are going to Juneteenth supporting charities. There's also a suggestion box on the website, so if you have any show ideas, drop them in there. I look forward to hearing them. There's going to be one on South African apartheid. I'm fairly certain of it coming in the next couple weeks. As always, be well and stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one.